Good morning, church family. Man, you guys look awesome. Even though it's bleak what's coming out there, there's sunshine in here. Amen? All right. So uh, my name's Scott Aberderis. I'm one of the elders here. Um, it's just awesome to have you. If you're here for the first time or you maybe visit us a couple of times, welcome. Um, do know that there are connect cards or yellow cards in the back of the worship center. Please take one, fill one out so that we can reach out to you as well and get to know you more. Um, our purpose here for why we meet together as a gathering is, is to give glory to God and to discover and develop disciples of Christ. And we also strive to love God first and foremost and to love one another fervently. So a lot of announcements here. I'm going to blow through them, so stay with me. Benevolence is today, so we give to those that are in our community and in our, our, our excuse me, our church and then once in a while, we have a person that will come in that we do meet their need as well. But Benevolence is in the back. Um, that'll be after the service as you leave. Women, you got a brunch coming up on April 22nd. So sign up is still in the back. Make sure you do that if you haven't. And then, guys, you know that ours is on the 29th, our breakfast together. We get the rub shoulder. So make sure that you sign up as well. And then since spring is here, right? There's always that cleanup that takes place. So we're having a church spring cleanup day on the 29th of April as well that we would encourage you to come to tidy up the grounds. There's a lot of little projects that will take place. Um, so we ask you to be part of that. And then raising a family, right? We get those that have your families, it gets hectic. And you have to say, that's it. Tonight we're having a church family, or excuse me, a family meeting so we can know where we're going. This church is going to do the same thing on the 30th of April. It'll be Sunday night at 5 o'clock. We'll have some food for you. Um, but we want to be able to inform you of the things that are happening in the background so that we can bring them out to you as we move forward. So the elders really want you to be informed of what's going to be taking place as we move forward as a church. So with that, the last thing I have is um, membership. The elders have met with uh, Phil and uh, Dolores Hoopman, are they here? There they are, standing up right here. So put a face with the name. They're coming forward for membership. We'll be voting on them um, on the, in three weeks, I think on 30th. So you have an opportunity to meet them, ask questions of them so that you're informed to make a vote. But we're excited about their service and the, the joining our local church here. All right, if you would, there's a, there's a scripture reading that I want everybody to join in and read. So if we can get it on the slide. And this is today's teaching. It's out of 2 Peter 3, verses 1 through 7. So as I start, you join, please. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stripping of your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, 
and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Wow. That's, think about that. The day of judgment's coming and it will be fire. We know what happened with flooding, right? So we just got to stay focused upon him in the times ahead and not look to the left or the right. Father, we just thank you for this time together that we as fellow believers and those who are seeking you maybe for the first time, we wouldn't be overcome, that we would have peace in our minds that you will keep us. We won't be destroyed by that fire. So we pray for the time together as we uh, do worship together, as we read your word, as we think of your word, as we praise you in song, and we look to your truth, may we be changed. We pray these things in your son, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, so a leftover from last Sunday. He is risen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. I've got my notepad here, and I've got some bees to tell you about. Um, but first off, we're going to have um, row, ready? Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Good morning. Uh, I'm Chris Bosvelt. I am uh, heading up with Carrie of the Ropo Up project, I guess. And it's going to be June 5th through the 9th. It is uh, just reaching out into the community and doing some projects, uh, you know, whatever. So a couple of announcements that I need to make. Uh, first, please pray. Um, pray that people would come forward with their projects that they want us to work on for them. Pray for volunteers. Pray for everything. <laughs> just pray for the the project that we have going. And then also, um, we have a new um, sign-up slip, sign slip. Oh, boy, that's an easy, not easy. <laughs> On the board out there, it's for team leaders. And what we're looking for is some people to step up and be uh, just the contact person out on the job or wherever they are just to, if we need to make phone contact, we have one person that's uh, in charge out there. Teams shouldn't be that big, so it's not like you're in charge of 20 people. But there's just different areas uh, on that board, so if you can check that out. And then when you're signing up, um, if you could, if you know, you need to start getting a little more specific about how many days you think you're going to be able to um, help us out. And in doing that, then we can move ahead with what kind of work we would be doing and, and lining up for you. So you don't necessarily have to put Tuesday and Wednesday. That would be nice. But if you can at least put two days, three days all week, that would be uh, fantastic. So um, I guess that's all I have at this point. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you for that ministry minute. And um, so on my sheet here, I've got a bunch of Bs. The first one is that we were praying for Bruce uh, Grossman last week, and Bruce is home. So there's an amen. But, yeah, yeah, that is great. Um, but also with Bruce, um, uh, Wes had a, had a surgery, and, and that went well. And then this morning also that we want to pray for Dwayne Gino. Um, he's, he's at a decision point or direction point in his care. And so we need to pray for both Dwayne and, and, and Carrie Gino this morning. Um, the second B I have is benevolence. Uh, just a reminder again, the baskets will be in the back after the service, but sometimes we don't say this, but, um, this last week we were able to help two people that were in need. 
And so we were able to pull from the Benevolence Fund and help them in their need. And just so you know ahead of time, there's all kinds of vetting that we go through and making sure it's a, a legitimate need and all that kind of stuff. But that, that just to let you know that when you do give, um, it, it goes out uh, within the church and then, as they said, to the community. Uh, just a reminder, here's my third B, the books. If you weren't here last Sunday and you didn't get one of these, uh, they're in the basket in the back and we have plenty more. Uh, the Case of Easter, and it's a great book to read yourself, but then it's also another, it's a great book to hand off to somebody else after you've read it kind of thing. So remember our books. And then this morning, we're going to pray for Roe, and we're also our missionaries this morning are those that are in restricted areas that um, we don't say much about them because um, they're undercover, but they are reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's remember them this morning. And would our ushers come forward at this time, and we will also pray for our offering. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for uh, some of these answers to prayer that we see, Bruce and Wes, and, and the way that you have touched uh, people's lives. I think right, even right now, praying for Gary, continued recovery from his surgery on his foot, Lord. Um, thank you, Lord, that uh, we can bring these things to you. And we Carrie and, and Dwayne, we bring them to you this morning as they're walking through a certain section of life right now and pray for discernment and decisions that need to be made and, and just strength, Lord, especially for Carrie, strength for Carrie as she walks through this time. We thank you, Lord, for benevolence. We thank you for the opportunity that we can pool our resources together and those that are in need that we can reach out in, in very tangible ways. We pray this morning, Lord, for role we pray that 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 it will be bathed that week will be bathed in prayer um, as opportunities come forward lord that we can help our community in tangible ways and beyond that lord our physical touch with each person that we help and we do pray for our missionaries who are in places where we where we can't say but they have uh, been called by you, their heart is being tugged by you into these areas, To can, even in the face of that, to say the name of Jesus, to offer the gospel to those that are there. So your hand upon them. And Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to give our regular tithes and offerings, Lord. We, we are thankful that we are able to have, you've provided everything that is around us, and Lord, we pray that we would use these uh, resources in a way to reach more even locally within this community, this county, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So your blessing upon our offering this day. In thy precious name, amen. Amen. So I'm going right into kids' time. Yeah. It's a nice background, though. I, like, I liked it, yeah. So children, come on up. I, and I want you, when you come up this time, I want you to sit right down here because I want you to see my board. I'm going to draw something on the board. So you got to sit right over here so you can see my board. I'm going to draw something up here, and I want you to be able to see it. Yeah, get over here. you got to be able to face this way so you can see my board. Yeah, I know it's a little different than what we've done before. Little different. Sometimes when we when we talk about Jesus, we talk about we use three different terms. So I'm going to make my board. I'm going to make 
a division. So we got three spaces now. Sometimes we call him prophet. Sometimes we call him prophet. And then sometimes, <laughs> practice this, priest. And then sometimes we call him king. And actually, there's a P word for king. Does anybody know it? Anybody know it? For king? No? Well, no, not exactly. Oh, you know? What is it? Yeah, that's true. That's amen. That is true. Yep. It's potentate. Okay. Yeah. Use, you have to use a thesaurus to get that. But anyways, okay, back to our little drawing here. So sometimes we call Jesus prophet. Well, what does a prophet do? I'm going to make a big megaphone here. Like stuff coming out of the megaphone. A prophet, a prophet teaches us. <laughs> it's a, well, we got interpretations going on here of my drawings. A prophet teaches us things, uh, teaches us the right things, and then teaches, warns us about the bad things. Okay, so that's what a prophet does. A priest, a priest is a religious person. So I'm going to put up here, I'm going to put up here a church. And a priest or a religious person points us. And who do they point us to? Who do they point us to? Who do I point us to? To God. Yeah, that's right. Points us to God. And we also call Jesus king, so I'm going to make a funny-looking crown, put some jewels on it. A king rules, governs, leads. And so when we talk about Jesus being our prophet, priest, and king, can you say that? Prophet, priest, and king. He's the one. He teaches us. He teaches us and warns us, and that's why we have our lessons. We read from God's word. He's our priest. Not only did, as you said, he died on the cross for our sins. He was the sacrifice, but but he intercedes and he talks to God on our behalf, and he points us when he came. He pointed us to God, and then last one, he's our king. He's our king. He's he rules. And we follow him. We follow our king. He guides us. He protects us. And so we can be thankful that Jesus is all three of them. Ready? Prophet, priest, and king. Try it one more time. Prophet, priest, and king. Okay, let's bow our heads in prayer. So Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, you are that, Jesus, that you teach us, that you point us to God, and that you you played that you you were our sacrifice so that we could have eternal life and forgiveness of our sins and that you're our king and that we are so thankful that we have such a great king that rules over us i pray that you'll be with the children as they head to children's church this morning in thy precious name amen amen amber is right in the back those that are going to kids church feel free to make your way back there Oh, it's good to see all of you here this morning. We had a great, we had a great weekend last weekend. A great week. I was so thankful for uh, the different people that came in. I actually saved these. The different people that came in throughout the week. 
last week and for the prayer time. And um, I mean, here's the stack of cards that we were praying over that were there. And we're looking forward to doing that again sometime soon, opening up the sanctuary for people to be able to come in and to spend some time in prayer during that. So it was a, it was a great week. I want to thank everybody who, um, who helped out, over, especially on the weekend on Sunday, <laughs> to making all the shifts and everything happen there. But we are back in Second Peter. It feels like it's been a long time. It's been about a month. Um, but we are back in Second Peter, and we're in Second Peter chapter 3. So we'll complete, um, I perceive that we'll complete this book by the end of this month. We, uh, you know, just tentatively said um, we're looking at Second Peter in three chapters, and chapter 1 was about the good, and chapter 2 was about the bad. And chapter three now is about the great, and he will get into that as we go along in this chapter. Uh, I'm sure if you're a parent, you have, or maybe even if you are married, you, you get in the car and you're headed to your destination, and the kid says, are we there yet? Yeah, have you heard that? Yeah, never, never. But it's interesting, this passage and, and the next passage will deal with this, about our concept of time, because if you're an, an adult, and especially if you're if you're getting toward that senior citizen age, you're saying it's already April. How did it get to be April already? In the middle of April too. I mean, so you see, one saying, "Are we there yet?" And the other ones are going, "Wow, I can't believe all the time that has passed already so quickly." Well, so our passage of Scripture this morning deals with that. And I need to get my clicker out here. Um, it's good to do a little bit of review because we've been away a month. So in chapter 1, which we called the good, Peter said three things. He said to these persecuted Christians in Asia Minor, he said, keep these in the forefront of what I'm going to tell you next. The first thing is that we have a great salvation from God. Remember that you have a great salvation from God, that God planned it, that Jesus purchased it, that the Holy Spirit is polishing it, and this salvation yields eternal life, forgiveness of sins, uh, eternal home uh, with Him forever. I mean, it's a great salvation. Remember that. And then the second one, he says we, we are to be living out our salvation from God. We're to be living it out as saved people as saved people now, we have this opportunity before we are face-to-face -face with him that he has these good works and these good things that he wants us to do. Those are not things to make us saved. No, these are for saved people to actually do while we're waiting for the, for the coming of the Lord or us to be with him someday. And so we are to live out our salvation. It's an active salvation that we are living out. So that's the second thing. And then the third one, is we have the more fully confirmed words of God. What Peter does is Peter says, you know, I'm an eyewitness. He says, I was there. I was there. I heard him. I saw, his, uh, I saw him do all these miracles. I was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw him glorified. I, I was there. I, I breathed his air. I, I rubbed shoulders with him. I laid, you know, I was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. But then he says, but we have the more fully confirmed words of God. And this is what Peter does. Peter elevates the words of God. 
He does it all the way through his first book and now the second book. And you'll see it in this passage this morning that he lifts up the word of God and says, this is very important that you have a, a good grasp on. Persecuted Christians of the first century in Asia Minor. And of course, he's saying it to us today also. So then we go into chapter two and chapter two is the bad. And we have to look at false teachers. He says, there's false teachers among you. And I've whittled this down to six things. Um, beware, and I have my red, remember, red flag, red flag. Um, beware if someone starts to do an attack on Jesus in the sense where they make Jesus out less than he is. He's fully man, fully God, second, in the Trini- second of the Trinity. He, he, is, he is our salvation. You know, if someone, if someone makes him out less than who he is, red flag, red flag. Second one, if they do an attack on the gospel in the sense of saying there are other ways to God, there are other ways than Jesus Christ to God. If they go down that road, or another way of looking at it is presenting another gospel that adds to it. Yet, yeah, that's, in, that's important. But also, we've got this other list over here that you need to do kind of thing. Okay, red flag, red flag. Or if there's an attack on the Bible where they start to promote their words or man's words more than God's words. And again, you see him elevating God's word there again. If they do that. Then he said there's these three characteristics. And it's interesting that he's speaking about 30 years after Jesus has died on the cross, buried in the grave, rose on the third day, ascended into heaven. So this is about 30 years later when he's describing these false teachers, and he says, you'll see these three characteristics. And one of them is a display, a, a display of arrogance, a display of arrogance, where it becomes, not, it, it, it becomes more about me. It becomes more about the man than the man, okay? It becomes more about themselves and they're promoting more of themselves. There's an arrogance about them. He says, red flag. There's a display of lust. When it says lust, it means sinful desires. I put up their mind or my way, my way. When you start to see a display where they are flirting, flirting with sinful desires like it's okay for them, but not okay for you. They're preaching one thing and living a different life, okay? Beware. And then the third one is a display of greed, a display of greed that there there is a sense of them asking more of you, more, more, more kind of thing. And it's it's interesting, 30 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, and what's he, he's giving these things out, and we can look at our world today and go, yeah, it hasn't went very far, has it? Some of those same things, and they're warning signs for us today. That's what's so great about the Word of God. It it helps us. So now we go into chapter 3, and when we get to chapter 3, it says, verse 1, and and if you have a bulletin, I I made sure to put the the Scripture passage, if you don't have a Scripture journal, because we gave out 200 of these, and and we're getting toward the end. So in your bulletin, if you don't have one of those, you're going to see the passage there. Verse 1, it says, now this is the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. So second letter, because 1 Peter is the first letter. 2 Peter is the second letter. I am writing to you, 
beloved. And he uses that word, and he's going to use that term five times in this chapter alone. Five times in this chapter. It means dear ones. It means worthy of love. And it's, I think it's worthy of note to see how he addresses the people that he's writing to. He truly loves them. He's saying, you are worthy of love. I, you're dear to my heart. And that's why I'm putting, down these, I'm putting down these words, and I want you to know them. If you're staying after for come for more, and you're in one of those going deeper classes, this will be one of the questions on there. Do we address one another that way? I mean, we might not say beloved, but you could. You could. But, but do we address one another as brothers and sisters in Christ at that same type of level that we so much love them? They are dear, so dear to us. So that's how he starts off this. This is the second letter, writing to you, beloved. In both of them, both these letters, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Stirring up, it means to wake up. I'm waking up your mind. I'm waking up your mind to remind you of something. And remember, he's waking up the minds of the people he dearly loves. He's writing to the church. He's saying, church, wake up. Wake up, church. Now, he's said this before. If we just go back a chapters, chapter 2, uh, starting at verse, chapter 2, no, 2 Peter, chapter 1. I always do that. 2 Peter, chapter 1, starting at verse 12. This is what he says there. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, to wake you up, church, wake you up. Since, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. So he tells them, I'm, I'm going to die soon. Now it's interesting, how does he know he's going to die soon? The next phrase, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. What's he base it off of? God's word, what God said. As I will make every effort, verse 15, so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So he said this before, and he's, he wants to remind us of something. So this is important. This is important. We go to verse 2, that you should remember, a second time he said that, the predictions of the holy prophets. The predictions of the holy prophets. Now, now, where do what testament of the Bible do you find most of the holy prophets? Old Testament. Old Testament. That's where you find it. Then he says, and, important and, conjunction, and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Where do we find, what testament do we find the apostles? New. New. So what is Peter saying there? that you remember the predictions, what they said. Predictions are about the future. Predictions of, of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament through your apostles. So we call that the whole counsel of God. He says, I want to remind you, beloved Christians, church, to, to remember the predictions of the whole counsel of God. And uh, one of the great, I mean, if you want to have a, a chapter to look at that just really zeroes in on God's word. You want to go to Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 is like, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about the word of God. It's all about the word of God. So 
I want to read one verse here, 119.160, where it says, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. So don't, don't put one testament away. I know it's harder to read than the other one. So look, harder to follow along on sometimes. But Peter is telling you, don't, don't, don't disregard that Old Testament. No, no, take, in, take into consideration the predictions of the Old Testament and also the predictions of the New Testament. Back to our passage. Verse 3, knowing this first of all, so on the top of your list that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing following their own sinful desires. Now that verse there is almost like a recap of chapter 2 of 2 Peter. All of 2 Peter chapter 2 was about this: these scoffers who are coming in and they're following their own sinful desires. It says there that these scoffers will come in on the last days. And, if it, and there's a lot of scriptures you could go to, um, but I want to go to stay right in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, when it says, He, and that He refers to Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. If we go to John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. So then you could go to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him to not perish but have eternal life. So it, our, and this was in the last times. Jesus, when he came and was manifested, was the inauguration of the, of the last times. So Peter could say, Peter could say we are in the last times, and I can say this morning that we are in the last times. We are all in these last times. Jesus has been made manifest to us in these last times. And in these last times, as much as Peter said it to the church, I'm saying it to you this morning, beware of scoffers. Beware of the scoffers who will come in the last days. It's interesting that they're described here as they're following their own sinful desires. They're following their own sinful desires. Three words there. Now in verse 2, he says, I want you to remember the Lord and Savior. I want to show you these two side by side, how different they are. Because if you call him Lord, he's your master. You submit to him. You're, you're, you're enslaved to him. It's not about you. It's about him. It's all about him. It's nothing about you. It's all about him. If you call him master, if he's your master. And if you call him savior, that means he has saved you. He, he has rescued you. You are clinging to him. Just like last week, Mary Magdalene at the grave, at the tomb, at the tomb, when Jesus is, she thinks is a gardener, and Jesus turns around and says, Mary. And, and he says, stop clinging to me. Why? Because she reached out, she grabbed right a hold. Her response was she's holding on so dearly to Jesus. If he is your savior and he has rescued you, that's what you're doing. You're holding on to him with everything that you got. I want you to see the difference. He's talking to the church where our focus is our Lord and Savior. What's the focus of these scoffers? Their own sinful desires. There's a huge difference between the two. 
So, verse 4, they, the scoffers, will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, meaning they died, all, all, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. There's a, there's a couple things here. First off, where is he? Where, where is he? Are we there yet? You know, you guys, you guys, Peter, you keep saying he's coming again. He's coming. He hasn't come yet. Where is he? Where is he? And, and I'm sure that would be some of the same claim today. We say Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. And I'm sure there will be people that would say, well, he hasn't. Well, it's been 2,000 years now. Okay, that's a, there's a time frame in there. 2,000 years. Where, where is he? Where is he? But the second part of this, too, is their claim. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all, so that's exclusive, all, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. So that's their claim. Their claim is that nothing's ever changed. And from be the beginning of creation, nothing has ever changed. That, that tends to be what we do sometimes. We, we flirt with those statements. You never. You always. You know, we, we, we lump over that all together, don't we? You know, what does, what, Carrie, what does Scott do always? Yeah, see, I know, he's not going to set up front anymore. He's not going to. But so that's the claim. They're claiming, and there's a couple things in this claim that you could refer. First off, that, that um, God's a liar. Okay, if he hasn't come yet, and you say he's coming, and he hasn't come, then we could, you know, you're lying. Misinformation, if you want to use that word, you know. You're giving out misinformation. That's one part of it. But the other part of it is, is that God has not been active. God has not been active. Ever since creation, it's, always, it's just the same. Nothing has ever changed. And so that's that kind of view that God, uh, at least it, that God was at creation, and he like started the top. You know, one of those old tops where you zoom like that, or you spun it, spun it like that. And then God, that's creation. And then God steps away and goes, hmm, wonder how it's going to turn out. I hope they do well. Well, we'll check back in later, you know, kind of thing. That God is not active. God has not been active ever since the beginning of creation. That's the claim. That's the claim. So Peter's got to respond to that, right? Verse 5, for they, meaning the scoffers, deliberately overlooked this fact. Now, that's an important phrase because next week, we'll look at the other side of that. If you, if you look ahead in your passage in verse 8 of chapter 3, he's going to say this phrase, but do not overlook this one fact. So he's saying the scoffers, they overlook this one fact. And then verse 8, which we'll get to next week, he says, but church, don't overlook this one fact. So it says, they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water. Remember the waters recede and there was land. And through water, he divided the waters by, and that's probably the most important word, by the word of God. How did those waters move? By the word of God. So or they deliberately overlooked and, and, and they deliberately overlook God in creation. 
They deliberately overlook God in creation and how creation happened. And so it's by his word that these what you know, he's using this illustration because he's going to the next one. These waters were separated, and these waters were separate, were, were diverged so that the land was there. Okay? Which leads right into verse 6. And by that by means of these, by means of these, these is plural. So what's he saying there? Um, there's a couple options here. By means of these, is he talking about the waters, the waters that were separated? Or by means of these, by his words, the words of God? Or is it a combination? It could be a combination by, by his words and also the water kind of thing. All of them will work. That by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. So they overlook this fact that there has been change since creation. Take a look at the flood. Take a look at the flood and, and, and how God, with his very words, took the water that he separated and, and now he uses that same water to what? <laughs> Perish the world that's, that's here. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, why did he do that? Why did he do that? You probably already know the answer, but chapter 6, verse 5 says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and, they were every, and, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Why, why was there a flood? Because of the great evil in this world. And he brought his judgment upon this world. Okay, he's tying these two together, and if I've learned anything about Peter, not only does he elevate the word of God, but he loves Noah. He loves the picture of Noah. He keeps going back to Noah. Verse 7, it says, I'm sorry, I'm not clicking. So there it is, the flood, and God's word is powerful. Uh, But verse 7, but by the same word, by the same word, word of God, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire. So, so there, God has been active. Look at the flood. But there's another time that you're gonna, there's going to be an activity of God and that the world that you even see now has been stored up for fire. Not a flood, but different this time. A fire being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Do you kind of wonder why he would destroy the earth again? Yeah. <laughs> Was yeah, it's yeah, it's because of the wickedness. It's the wickedness of again. If if you can see the flood and understand the flood, now he's saying by the same word it's going to come again, but by fire this time, a different way, that God is going to enact His wrath upon this world. So I I put down yeah I put down some of these this whole thing about fire, you know it's um. And, and it's, these are just a few of where it's indicated. In Isaiah 66, 15 and 16, it says, See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his chariots are coming like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For with fire and with his sword, the Lord will execute judgment upon all men, and many will be those slain by the Lord. And that those are sad verses to read, but don't 
neget, don't, don't um, re, be reminded that of the predictions of the Old Testament and the predictions given in the New Testament. So let's go to another one, Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. That one says, Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and the evildoer will be stubble, and that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Let's go to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 3, and verse 17. This is John the Baptist speaking. He's speaking of Jesus in verse chapter 3, verse 12. It says, His, meaning Jesus, winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn. That's the good part of the verse right there. Praise the Lord. Woo! Gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire. Then it, let's go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. So we're going into Paul territory here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7. And again, here's the good part of the verse. And give relief to you who are troubled. Praise the Lord. Give relief to those who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. His powerful angels. Don't underestimate what God has said. Don't underestimate what God said. I put down there 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Woo! Praise the Lord. And to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust, the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Arrogance. Arrogance that's there. What do I pull from this? Well, three things I pull from this. Don't dismiss God's creation. I mean, don't dismiss the God in creation. God's involvement in creation. The start of everything, because we don't want to dismiss his, his sayings of, from his prophets of his coming, of Jesus' coming. Don't dismiss that Jesus has come. And then the third one, don't dismiss God's conclusion. Don't dismiss what God has said of how this is all going to end. And I would also, I'd put a slash on there and put solution. Don't dismiss God's solution to all of this. So we go back to the Garden of Eden, and instead of following the words of God, Adam and Eve follow the words of Satan or the serpent. And, there, and there's the fall of man. And there comes a curse. But in the curse, he says to the woman, there's going to come a seed. And from that seed that will come from woman, he will crush the head of the serpent. He will crush the head of Satan. Then you jump ahead to the flood, because Peter loves the flood. And Peter says, Noah is a herald of righteousness. And what is he, what is he heralding while he's, you know, while he's putting the ark together? What is he heralding? The God he loves. The God he loves. And what is the only way of salvation in that situation? 
is that ark. You got to be on the ark if you're gonna if you're gonna miss the wrath of God that's gonna come. Then jet ahead to the Exodus, and now you're with Moses, and Moses tells the people, "You need to listen to what I say. I'm telling you the words of God. God is telling you what you need to do, and if you do this, so you bring in the lamb, and you slaughter the lamb. You that, but you're you're gonna leave." but you take the blood of the lamb and you put it on the doorpost of your house. And if you do that, if you do what God told you to do, you're following the words of God, you will be what? You'll be saved. You're going to be spared. You're going to be able to leave this place and head to the promised land. So the seed, the ark, the lamb, all of those are pictures of Jesus Christ. They're all pictures of Jesus Christ. And that the answer to this world and the answer to your life is Jesus Christ, the seed, the ark, the lamb, and there's, there's others too. But He's the answer to our lives. So don't, don't dismiss God's solution. His solution is that He sent His only begotten Son named Jesus. And we are to follow after Him. We're to follow Him. I, just closing thoughts here. What does... God's words say. I think that should be like like a really, um, like that should be a motto or a mantra of ours. Is as a church, what what does God's word say? What does God's word say? That should be the thing that guides us. That guides us. So we are not to dismiss what God has said about the past. We're not to dismiss what God has said about the present. And we're not to dismiss what God has said about the future. Otherwise, we become, we become scoffers. So here's how I want to end the service this morning. If you would stand with me, and we are going back to Psalm... Wait, did I go to that one? There. Back to one Psalm 119. It's all about the Bible, all about the Word of God. And I want you to read this, and let's say it out loud together. And really emphasis where it says your, you're talking about his, your. So say it with me. My cry comes before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. My supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your promise. My lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decrees. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. May your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. One more? There should be one more. There isn't one more? Oh, there. Let me live that I may praise you, and may your law sustain me. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. Worship team, come on up. May we have not forgotten his commands. May, may we, along with Peter, um, and, and even think about that. How do I elevate God's word in my life? How do I make it more part of my life? 
Maybe the Bible has been set aside. Maybe it's getting a little dusty. Maybe those times that you have, that, that you have, that you used to have, but uh, I realize that, wait a minute, God's word is extremely important for me to, to read, to ponder over, to think, to study, to get with others to do the same thing, because it's what guides us through these last times so that we don't go the way of the scoffers. His word is true. His word is true. Great words today from truth, right? Think about when it rains, right? And it kind of is unrest because I thought about what the people had to go through when the rain came and it took their lives. But then what comes after the rain? A rainbow, and that's God's promise. That brings peace, right? So with that, this thing, right? Yeah, I'm a firefighter, so I can do that. Not. Right? There's fear in the fire. We should be fearful what's coming. Because that's going to happen. And our peace needs to come in Him. We have to put our faith, our trust into Him. So if you don't know Him, seek me. Seek an elder. Seek a pastor. Seek a brother so that you may know as well. Right? And if you do... We have peace. Let me let you go with this. This is This is out of Second Thessalonians three, verse sixteen. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Amen. Have a great week.